0: Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are with us today. Again, if you're a guest of ours, you are our honored guest. I'm glad that you chose to worship God with us today because that's what we're here to do, is to worship God. We have spent the last uh, five weeks working our way through the book of 1 John. For the past five weeks we've been centered in 1 John. We're going to spend the next 30 minutes going through the book of 2 John. So five weeks, one book, 30 minutes, the next book. Luckily, Second John is only 13 verses long. A little girl was spending the night with her grandmother one night, and somehow she gets herself locked in the bathroom, and she's terrified. She's screaming through the door, Grandma, get me out of here! Grandma, get me out of here! And the grandmother comes and realizes that she can't open the door either without the key. And the grandmother knows she's going to have to do a little bit of searching to find that key. And so she very calmly speaks through the door said, Listen, sweetie, Grandmommy's here. I'm going to have to go find a key to open this door, but I'm going to come right back and get you out. And the little girl starts screaming, Grandma, get me out now. I want to get out now. I'm afraid. And the grandmother speaks again says, Sweetie, listen, you're not alone in there. God is with you. there's a long pause. The little girl says, Grandma, yes? God wants out too. (laughs) You know, I I appreciate people who know what God wants. Although I've got to tell you, I'm always a little bit suspicious of people who claim to know everything that God is thinking. I've got a finite mind and I serve an infinite God of wisdom and power and ability. There's things about God I'll never understand. But just because we can't understand everything about God doesn't mean that we can't understand some things about God, because we can. There are things that we can know about God. There are things that we do know about God. And that's really, that's kind of the reason that that John wrote these three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. You know, we saw it in 1st John for sure. And we're going to continue to see it in these next two books as John talks about um, concepts of God and some concepts of Jesus and our relationship with uh, in that area. And John keeps coming back to this idea of to know. He's going to do it again in Second John. He's going to talk about the fact that there are things that we can know. And in Second John, he's going to focus on knowing truth. John is going to zero in on that all elusive thing called truth. And he's going to tell us, you can know truth. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of 2 John. It's going to be right at the very end of your Bible almost. A lot of you will remember uh, the movie A Few Good Men with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Tom Cruise was a uh, military lawyer and he was defending these two soldiers that were convicted or or charged with uh, murder. And the climactic scene in the whole movie was Tom Cruise cross-examining Jack Nicholson, who's this real hard-nosed uh, colonel. And they start sort of shouting at each other. And Cruise, the lawyer, says, I want the truth! And Nicholson's very famous retort was, You can't handle the truth! Well, John writes the book of Second John for people who can handle the truth. And he's going to tell us that we can know truth. We can handle the truth. Second John 13 verses. We call it a letter. But it's really more like a postcard. You know? uh, it's short. And just like a postcard, John doesn't waste any time kind of getting right to the heart of the matter. So let's, let's take a look at the first four verses of, of John's postcard. Second John. This letter is from John the Elder. It's written to the chosen lady and to her children, whom I love in the truth, as does everyone else who knows God's truth. As far as I know, this is the only book in the Bible written to a lady. Someone corrected me and said, well, what gender was Theophilus? I think he was a man, but he could have been a woman, I don't know. I think John is writing to the church here, but he could be writing to a specific lady. I'm not sure about that. doesn't change the message. The truth that lives in us and will be in our hearts forever. May grace, mercy, and peace, which come from God our Father and from Jesus Christ His Son, be with, us, be with us who live in truth and love. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living in the truth, just as we have been commanded by the Father. We've already seen that John has written quite extensively about faith. He has written about obedience. He has written about love a lot. And here in 2 John, he's going to write about truth. Absolute truth. Now, I've heard people tell me there is no such thing as absolute truth. And I always want to ask them, are you absolutely sure of that? guy goes to visit an old friend who is a music teacher. And he enters the uh, friend's uh, apartment. And he asks the friend, what's the good news today? And the old music teacher walks across his room, picks up a hammer, and strikes a tuning fork. And sound reverberates throughout the whole apartment. And the teacher says, that is A. That was A 5,000 years ago. That will be A 5,000 years from now. The tenor upstairs sings off-key. The soprano across the hall is usually flat. The piano downstairs is in desperate need of tuning. But that, my friend, is A. And that is the good word for today. The good word for us today is that there is such a thing as absolute truth. Things that are true for all people, in all times, in all situations, and John is going to tell us about it. Actually, John is going to tell us about him. You remember when Jesus was brought before Pilate, Pilate said, what is truth? And really, it's a pretty good question as we look at 2 John, it's a pretty good place for us to start. What is truth? So let's define truth. And I'm going to do it in a way that that I think is going to be uh, useful for our conversation today. Truth is a fixed point of reference. Truth is something that is fixed, a point of reference that we we know is is solid and real. And I want to try to use an analogy to help us kind of uh, wrap our minds around this. Imagine that you wake up tomorrow morning and you're not in your bed. In fact, you're not even in your room. You don't know where you are. There's absolutely no light. You can't see anything. There's no furniture. You're on the ground. You're on the floor. You sense that you're in a room and it's terrifying because you don't know where you are. You don't know where anything is. And so you very carefully start feeling for something. And you find a wall. Okay, that's a good thing. There's a wall. I'm in a room. And you start working your way down the wall, expecting to come to a corner, but there is no corner. In fact, the wall is curved. And so you deduce, well, I'm in a curved, round room, but I don't know how big the room is. And I don't know where anything is. You have no fixed point of reference. You have no way to orient yourself to anything. And again, it's it's really terrifying. And so you're, you're kind of making your way along the wall, and then wait, you feel something, Okay, it's a chair. That's good. It's a good thing. There's something here. There's something. It's a chair. And so you sit down in the chair. Really, how long can you sit in the chair in a dark room? So you get back up and you explore a little more, but the chair becomes your point of reference. Now, I'll go three paces this way, but I'm always coming back to the chair because I know where the chair is. Or I'll go six paces this way, but I'm always going to come back to the chair because the chair the chair has become my truth the chair has become my fixed point of reference now everywhere i go everything i do you know i, I kind of keep coming back to the chair where's the chair i got to know where the chair is because the chair is all that i have maybe that's confusing and maybe it's too simplistic but my point is this jesus is truth jesus is the chair jesus john's going to tell us is our fixed point of reference we've got to keep coming back to jesus We've got to orient ourselves, we have to ground ourselves, we have to be, be rooted in Jesus. Now some of you know how important this is, because maybe you're there right now when you realize, know, life gets really confusing. The things that used to be there aren't there anymore. The things that we used to be able to see, you know, we don't see anymore, the, the place that used to seem so comfortable, not so comfortable anymore. everything we sort of counted on and everything we depended on, it's all gone. And we're not exactly sure where we are or where we should turn to. We don't don't know how to orient ourselves. And then, wait, wait, wait a minute. This is Jesus. Okay, we find Jesus. This is good. I love Jesus. I cling to Jesus. I know where Jesus is. Jesus is a very safe place to be. And Jesus says, okay, now that you have me, I want you to go live your life. Now keep coming back to me. Be anchored in me. I'm the truth. I'm your truth. You know, orient your life to me. But just go live your life. You know, without a fixed point to fasten to, life is really different. Now, you think about people who, who aren't grounded in Jesus. You know, the economy takes a turn downward and scares them to death. Because that's where they put their hope, and that's that's their truth. Sickness shows up, well, they're overwhelmed. There's a death, and they don't know what to do. They can't handle it because they have no hope. They don't have Jesus. And as we look at the book of Second John, what we're going to find is that John is fixated on this as well. That Jesus is the truth. In fact, John is going to use that phrase, the truth, five times in those first four verses... And I've mentioned before that I really appreciate John's writing because John writes about what he heard Jesus talk about. You know what Jesus' favorite phrase was? I tell you the truth. 78 times in the Gospels, Jesus is quoted as saying, I tell you the truth. Jesus wanted us to know the truth. John wants us to know the truth as well. it's, It's kind of a neat thing. Now, when Jesus becomes our truth, uh, we no longer need to argue truth. I don't argue with people about Jesus. I never argue with people about Jesus. What I try to do is I try to introduce them to Jesus. I don't debate Jesus. I try to introduce people to Jesus. You want someone to know truth? Introduce them to Jesus. Jesus can stand on His own. Jesus is is fascinating. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is is truth. And that's what John wants us to know. And John is actually going to give us some specific instructions as far as um, dealing with truth and regarding truth. And the first thing John says is this. I want you to live in truth. John wants us to be living in truth. Look again at verse 4. How happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living in the truth, just as we have been commanded by the Father. Live in truth. Now, you might be thinking, that sounds good, nice bullet point. But if I'm really honest with myself, I'm not sure that's where I'm living. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm really living in truth. I'm I'm not sure I'm really living in Jesus. Because there's other things that I keep coming back to. And there's other things that I seem to want to orient my life around. So I'm not exactly sure that I'm living in truth. You know, what exactly does that look like? And here's what Bert was talking about, about the bowling lesson. I very well remember the first time that my wife and I took our daughter bowling. She was six or seven years old. There were some friends of ours who were going bowling. And we thought it would be fun to bring the kids along. So we bring Maggie with us. Um, She is so excited to go bowling. She's never been before. I don't know if you've ever tried to teach a six-year-old how to bowl. It is futile. Can't be done. I know someone's going to come up to me afterwards and say, well, my six-year-old's a great bowler. Mine was not. Okay? Mine could not bowl. The, the lightest ball was way too heavy for her. She could hardly hold it. There was no way she could really roll it. You know, we tried everything. You know, roll it, sit on the ground, push it with your feet, you know, between your legs, whatever. Everything she tried resulted in the ball going straight to the gutter. I mean it didn't get ten feet down the lane before it went straight in the gutter, and then we watched as it slowly rolled down the you know was it gonna make it? Yes. No, zero. And after four or five frames of that, Maggie was bored. She was frustrated. She hated bowling. She got to where she just walk up and drop the ball and turn around and sit back down. She didn't care where it went because it was headed to the gutter. She knew there was absolutely no way she was ever going to knock a pin down. I kept trying to go straight down the middle, push it straight down the middle, right into the gutter. Until this fella comes along and says, would you like me to put the bumpers up for her? Now this is indicative of how much we bowl. I didn't know that was a thing. Bumpers. Yeah, rails, you know, that come up in the gutter, so her ball won't fall into the gutter. And we're like, yeah, okay. So you know, Maggie, okay, now roll the ball. You know, I kept trying to say straight down. Now it's just like roll as hard as you can, just shove it, sit on the ground, shove it. It doesn't matter what direction it goes. So she'd push the ball, you know, rail, still going slowly, rail, rail, rail. Pins. She hit pins. Pins fell over. Five pins were knocked down. She said, I did it. I said, you did it. She said, I knocked down pins. You knocked down pins. Do I get to go again? You get to go again. So she gets her ball, throws it down there. Rail, 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 rail. Two more pins. I got more pins. What's my score? Your score is seven. Maggie says, I'm bowling. I love bowling. This is so much fun. It was a game changer. For Maggie. All at once, this game that she thought was so terrible, now it's like, hey, this is fun. You know, when do we get to do this again? That's what truth does for us. When we have this fixed point of reference, when we know where our relationship is with Jesus, uh, we're free to live. Jesus says, Go out, live your life. You know, live it in me, live in truth. But live your life. And then all at once, all these things that us preachers talk about, fulfillment and and happiness and joy, they become real. You start to experience them. Hey, this is kind of fun. This is rewarding. This is really enjoyable. Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews chapter 12. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, whom our faith depends on from start to finish. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Know that He is the truth. He's our point of reference. Everything we do revolves around Him. Then live your life. Now, instead of being in the gutter all the time, instead of missing all the pins, we just kind of have to throw ourselves out there. I mean, keep bouncing off truth. Jesus is our truth. Jesus is our reference. But if we're living in truth, God has set it up in a way that we can't miss. We, we can't lose. You know, if we're living in Christ, if we're living in truth, God has set up the, the, the lane in a way that you're going to be successful. Maybe not in the way you thought you would be. But God said, I've set it up in a way this is going to work, trust me. But too many people look down that lane and they say, mm, boy, gutters on both sides. I've tried before and I've missed. And it's been discouraging. And I don't know. I don't want to try anymore. And they just become paralyzed with fear. They don't produce any fruit. They don't witness to anyone about Jesus. And all the while, God is saying, wait. The bumpers are up. Just go out there and trust me on this. Live your life in Christ. Christ. I've got to tell you, I'm, I'm tired of God always being portrayed as some cosmic killjoy. And I'm tired of Christians always being portrayed like Eeyore, you know, in Winnie the Pooh. Life is hard. Things are bad. I'm miserable. But maybe one day I'll die and go to heaven. That's not the life God wants us to live. That's not the existence He's calling us to. God says, come on, the bumpers are up. Live your life. Get out there. Stay rooted in Jesus. Come back to truth. Live in truth. John chapter 8, Jesus would write about this. Or John would write about it back in his gospel. Quoting uh, Jesus. The Jews who had believed, Jesus said... If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. We're told to live in truth. Live in Christ. The truth will set us free. But John doesn't just talk about living in truth. John also says, I want you to to love in truth. Verse 5. And now, I want to urge you, dear lady, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, but one we had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he's commanded us to love one another, just as you heard from the beginning. And some of you might be thinking, boy, you know, you keep coming back to love. All Tim wants to talk about is love. Hey, it's not me. It's John, okay? If you've got a problem with it, you can complain to John. and Really, it's, it's not John. It's God that keeps coming back to love. When we know truth when we cling to Jesus, when Jesus is our our fixed point of reference, when we live in truth, what you find is truth produces love. Truth produces love. Love is always the byproduct of truth. And some people get confused about that. And I think some Christians get confused about that as well. You know, a lot of people find truth, but somehow for them the byproduct becomes condemnation, or arrogance, or exclusivity. But John is telling us, no, the byproduct of truth is always love. The more we understand truth, the more we understand Jesus, the more loving we're going to be. It's as simple as that. Consider this analogy. Allow me to use my chemistry degree in this job. Sodium and chlorine. Sodium is an element that that uh, is found naturally um, in uh, in the in in the, in the world, um, but it always links with another element. Sodium always is linked to another element. Uh, chlorine, on the other hand, is a poisonous gas. Chlorine's the stuff that gives bleach the real offensive odor. When you, when you combine sodium and chlorine, you come up with sodium chloride. Anybody know what that is? Yeah, salt. Somebody pass the salt. Table salt. It's the stuff we put on food to make it taste better. You know, we all love salt. Here's my analogy. Love and truth, I think, are a little bit like sodium and chloride, chlorine. Love without truth, it's all over the board. Spickle. It's flighty. It might be blind. It'll attach to anything. But then truth without love can be almost poisonous. Truth without love can be a little bit offensive. In fact, truth spoken without love can actually turn people away from the gospel, not draw people to the gospel. But when truth and love are combined, Jesus says we become salt of the earth. Everybody wants that, right? Everybody's drawn to that. That's a good thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Paul writes, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. The byproduct of truth is love. And then finally John says, Not only do I want you to live in truth, not only do I want you to love in truth, I also want you to abide in truth before he sends out his postcard, John gives us a warning. Be sure that you are abiding in truth. John wants us to understand something really important. Love is a byproduct of truth. Obedience is a byproduct of love. The more we love, the more obedient we're going to be. Verse 7, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out so that you do not lose the prize for which you have worked so hard. Be diligent so that you will receive your full reward. For if you wander beyond the teachings of Christ, you will not have fellowship with God. But if you continue in the teaching of Christ, you will have fellowship with both the Father and the Son. If someone comes to your meeting and does not teach the truth about Christ, don't invite him into your house or encourage him in any way. Anyone who encourages him, becomes a partner in his evil work. Abide in truth. Love is a byproduct of truth. Obedience is a byproduct of love. I mentioned last week that you know many of you are getting to the place where I am with your children. Your children get to the age where the only reason they obey you is because they love you. Truth motivates us to love, which motivates us to obey. The truth keeps us in step with God. I'm sure you've all seen the clips on Americans, America's Funniest Home Videos. There's some version of it almost every week where the high school band is out on the football field and they're going through their routine and one band member trips and falls and you know, the line comes along every single other band member trips and falls and they just kind of this pile of the brass section there on the 50-yard line. You know, in the same way, if we don't stay in step with the Spirit, our lives will will start to unravel as well. You know, we're really familiar with Galatians 5.22. Paul talks about the fruits of the Spirit, and he lists the fruits of the Spirit. And then right after he lists those, in verse 25, Paul will say, since we live by the Spirit, let us stay in step with the Spirit. See, John knew that false teachers were going to show up. They were going to twist and they were going to distort and they were going to try to deceive people about the teachings of Christ. And that's why John, in the book of 2 John, spends so much time talking about truth. And again, I keep saying this, I want you to remember who's doing the the writing here. It's the Apostle John. John takes out a pen to, to write this little short note to some people that he cares about dearly. And in fact, he says, I want to talk to you face to face, but for now, just a note. And I wonder as John sits down at a desk to to pin this little note, I wonder where his mind was. And I wonder where his memories were. And I wonder if he thought back to that last night before the cross that he spent with Jesus. You know, he's in an upper room with the other apostles, and Jesus is there, and so much is happening, and Jesus knows he's about to be crucified, and... The other apostles, as well as John, didn't get it at that time.
1: But Jesus said,
0: and John writes about it in John 14, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And it's Thomas who speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way? And I wonder if John, as he's writing this little letter to the, that we call Second John, I wonder if the old fisherman, you know, the son of thunder, who somehow morphs into the apostle of love, I wonder if John thought back to Jesus' response to Thomas. How can we know the way? Remember Jesus' response? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's a reason why we can know truth. Absolute truth. And it's because we can absolutely know Jesus. And the goal of John's little letter here, the, the goal is not to get us to quit sinning, which he certainly doesn't want us to sin. But John's real goal here, I think, is to make sure that we wrap our reality around Jesus and to make sure that Jesus is our truth, that everything we do, that everything we say is is bounced off the, the, the truth bumper of Jesus, that we keep coming back to our fixed point of reference, and that Jesus is that fixed point of reference. John wants to be sure that we figure out what Jesus is all about. He is the truth. It wasn't really very long ago that Melvinia Dean passed away. And that name's not going to mean anything to you. Miss Dean was the last surviving uh, passenger on the Titanic. She was 97 years old when she died. She was two months old when she was a passenger on the Titanic. She, her brother, and her mother were saved. Her father was lost. And 98 years to the day, 90, exactly 98 years after the Titanic sunk, Miss Dean passed away in an assisted living facility less than two blocks from where she boarded the Titanic. You now the Titanic is still fascinating to us. At least it's fascinating to me. You know, no other ship had ever been built like the Titanic. No other ship had ever been built with those kinds of amenities: um, mahogany-lined smoking rooms, squash court. Swimming pool. That ship had it all. Except the one thing that it needed most, and that was enough lifeboats to save the people on board. If you wanted a luxurious experience, that ship would give it to you. It just couldn't do the one thing that it needed to do the most when the situation arose it couldn't save the people that were on board. Not all of them. 700 saved, 1,500 lost. You know, that's the problem with every false hope. That's the problem with every false truth other than Jesus. They they have something to offer. And they might look very attractive and somewhat appealing. But no other truth, no other hope can give us what Jesus can give us when we need it the most. And that's salvation. Only Jesus can do that. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So this morning, do you know truth? Do you know Jesus? You don't have to know it all, but if you know the all in all, that's enough. Now We keep coming back to the same question here. What are you going to do with Jesus? What's your response going to be to Jesus? This morning, are you living in truth? Are you loving in truth? Are you abiding in truth? In truth, we've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. As a church family, if we can pray with you about anything, maybe today's the day you know I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Lord, we'd love to help that make that happen as well. Um, if you'd meet us at the front here, I will help you in any way that we can. Let's stand and sing.